Open your Bible to Romans chapter 8. While you're turning, I would remind you that if you take time to read the article in the bulletin by Mr. Fortner, I don't know when it was written. I found it in a, some notes from the book of Mark, and I just thought it was so sobering. It's hard to believe. I know he's been gone three years, so it's longer than that. But it was just a very plain, sobering uh, subject. So if you would just take time sometimes sit down and read it. <clears throat> Let's look at Romans 8. We're going to begin reading in verse, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, and those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the Spirit, they do mind the things of the flesh. I mean, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So then they that are in the flesh live after the flesh, walk after the flesh, cannot ever please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I want to think about that one word. I think it's there in verse 13. Do mortify. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. The word mortify is only found one, under, one other time in the Scriptures. It's found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, 
It talks about in that context, you know, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Set your affection upon things above, not on the things of the earth. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanliness and ordinate affections, evil, evil conspicuousness and, co- and covetousness, which is idolatry. Here in our text, as I read, he speaks of the flesh and of the spirit. The spirit of Christ dwells, what a mystery, dwells in the heart of a child of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When he came and overshadowed you like he did upon this earth, he brooded over you by his spirit. He said, live, and you lived. And what amazing, amazing grace that God would ever regenerate and save anyone. And he does his people. We don't walk after the flesh. We used to. But now we walk after the spirit by God's grace. We walk in the spirit. We are led of the spirit. Paul knew something of this. He said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And it is, that's all that it is. It's a body of death. It's never improved, and it's never going to improve. Where men come up with that idea that, that they could improve that old man? It's not in a man to improve him. He doesn't have the ability. Even if he wanted to, he couldn't. It's just flesh. The carnal mind is, doesn't say is at, is enmity with God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In verse 12, it says here in our text, that we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. The Amplified says, So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but not to the flesh, our own human nature, our worldliness, our sinful capacity to live according to the impulses of the flesh, that old nature that is without the Holy Spirit. We are debtors to Christ and his spirit, not to the flesh being delivered by a great death and so gro- by so great a, ra- a ransom, we are deeply indebted to he that loved us and gave himself for us. Being born of God, we owe the flesh nothing. Nothing. I remember John Davis, who attends down in Rocky Mountain years ago, and I've never forgot it. He'd always stand up and sing, and he just would just tickle you to death. So you never knew what was going to come out of John's mouth. He said, "He said I, I don't know. He said I don't even know how much my debt is. I have no clue how much I owe. But he said this much, this much I do know. I don't have anything to pay. We owe a debt, great debt, and Christ paid it. We have nothing. We have nothing to pay." What does the word mortify mean? It means to put to death, to crucify. Mortify those members which are upon the earth. 
He describes the old man like a body, doesn't he? He describes the old man with members, and he does. Do your old man has eyes? Your old man has ears? Your old man tastes? All of it's perverted, but that's the old man. And the new man sees. The new man feels. And the new man tastes and sees that the Lord is gracious. And these two bodies, they're in opposition with one another. He's never going to bow to the flesh, and the flesh will never bow to the spirit. So it means to put to death the crucify. It also means to feel embarrassed, ashamed, or humiliated, restrained, disciplined. What he's saying is we should habitually put to death the sinful deeds of the body. You know, under the Old Testament law, if a young boy or whatever age it was, he, if he was a rebel and he, and he wouldn't mind, he wouldn't behave, he just was just always disobedient. They knew under the law that God said, you take that boy outside the city, outside the camp, and you stone him to death. You know who threw the first stone? That boy's father. That seems cruel and strict, but that's what he's saying. Mortify your members, which are upon the earth. Put them to death, because they seek to rule. It's just, that old man, he's just a rebel. He wants his way. He's very sneaky. He's sly. In regeneration, we had nothing to do with it. We're totally passive. You are not looking for the Lord. He came looking for you. He comes seeking you. He loved you a long time before you ever loved him. We love him because he loved us. We were passive. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there live, and we live, but... The thing of mortification is we are active in mortification. We just don't just sit around in our passive and expect it to happen. We have to continually battle our flesh. The Spirit of God is sovereign, and it's His influence. But it does not release us from our our responsibility. I think here's an example. When Joseph was in Potiphar's house, Joseph, I think he was a very attractive man, and but you know, he's working in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon him. And after several days she said, Why don't you come and lay with me? He wouldn't have anything to do with it. And finally, she grabs his coat, and she'll use that to lie on him. But you know what he did? He ran. He wasn't just passive. He didn't just stand there. He ran. That's all he could do was run. You know what he did? He mortified the flesh. Mortified the flesh. You can imagine what the flesh whispered in his ear. No one will ever know it. You're second in command. You can do whatever you want to. 
You know what Joseph said? Everything's under my hand except you. Everything I have control over except you. And we ain't doing this. We battle this flesh. You know how we battle it? Not with the flesh, but by the power of God's Holy Spirit. I love that verse. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Mortification is a work to to which us as believers must earnestly pursue. If the youth through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, denying yourselves the pleasures of this body. Someone said we're in a dilemma. Either we displease the body or we destroy the soul. By God's Spirit, we are enabled to mortify the deeds of the body without our Lord. We're like Samson when his head is shaved. He goes out, he thinks like any other man, and he's just like any other man. You know, you read that story, and there's so many illustrations there, but there wasn't the first time that she had tempted him. She said, Samson, if you loved me, you would tell me where your strength lies. He said, well, if you, if you tie me with new ropes that's never been used, then I'll be weak like any man. Well, she ties him up. Wakes the next morning, and she said, the Philistines will be upon you, Samson, and he broke them like they were nothing. She said, why did you lie to me, Samson? He said, well, if you'll braid my hair, braid it, and he said, I'll be like any other man. So that night, she braided his hair. She wakes up the next morning and said, Samson, the Philistines will be upon you. He jumped up just like he was still had his strength because his strength is not in him being bound by a rope or being having his hair braided. His strength was in his hair. His strength was in what? His consecration to God. That's where his strength was at. Not just in hair. It was in his consecration to God. And she said, Samson, you don't really love me. If you loved me, you would tell me the truth. And you know what he did? He told her his whole heart. He said, I'm a Nazarite from my birth. A razor's never touched my head. And he said, if I'm shaving, I'll be weak like any other man. And that night, he went to sleep in the lap of Delilah. And she called a man in, and he never woke up, and he shaved his head. He lost his locks. The next morning, she said, she began to afflict him. I think she began to mock him. And she said, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he said he went out like as at other times. But something's different now. He has no strength. You know, it's so sad. And they burned his eyes out. But you know, you would have thought he should have seen it. How many times should we have saw it? And we didn't. 
Without our Lord, we are like Samson. But with the Spirit, all the foes of our soul, all the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Philistines that reside in our mortal flesh shall never prevail over us. All those tribes represent things inside of you. Pride, jealousy, they're there. They're, they hide. And you know what God did? He sent hornets to sting them, to bring them out so they could destroy them. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. We mortify the deeds of the body, mortify therefore your members, if we do not kill the things of the flesh that war against our soul, they will kill you. Look what had happened to Samson. Can you imagine what he thought? Now he can't see. And one last time, right there at the end, his hair began to grow back. And he said, Lord, avenge me of my eyes. And a young man led him up there to the pillars of that temple and he killed more in his death than he did in his whole life. This whole body of sin, we will have to struggle with it till we leave this world. Peter said, now Peter knew something of sin. He said, dearly beloved, dearly beloved, now listen, the way he talks to us, the way the Spirit of God speaks to us so tenderly, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lust, which war against the soul. Every, let me tell you, everything in this world, everything in this world is geared to take your attention away from Christ. Everything. Everything. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't be conformed to this world, but you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. John, I mean, Romans 6, 6, 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Like I said early, earlier, the life of faith in Christ is not a life of just spiritual laziness. The believer's life it is a continually bringing this body under subjection. It wants to do this. It wants to do this. Believers willingly crucify the flesh. Do you know in baptism, when we publicly confess Christ before men, when we are baptized with Christ in the watery grave, declaring to Christ and his church and the world that we are crucified with him, 
that we are his forever to walk with him in newness of life. We're new men. We're new women. Mortification is the crucifying of the flesh. It has to die. Colossians 3, go read it. First, the first four or five verses, he said, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. If you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life of a believer is a continued determination to mortify the flesh. The world thinks, I guess, that you reach a, a point you won't deal with him anymore. And he'll leave you alone. And he won't aggravate you and he won't mock you and he won't try to sneak up on you. And You know, in some of his worst lies, he, he tells you, boy, you did a good thing there. That's him. We should not allow anything to come between us and our Lord. Our Lord said, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. What am I saying? I'm talking about total, complete surrender to him in everything. Total, complete surrender. He said, If you love your father or your mother or your children or your job or your home or your own self, your own life more than me, he said, you can't be my disciple. He has no rivals. Some may ask if this constant total surrender to Christ, is that not a little bit unreasonable? Oh, no. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I'm beseeching you, begging you by the mercies of God, the mercies that he showed in those chapters leading up to chapter 12, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We'll look next Sunday or the next one when we deal with the the model prayer. Our Lord says, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Yeah, we don't know what we'd do if he's faced with it. And we recognize that every day. Every day. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. 
Paul knew something of this. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty. He said, I'm not out here running with no goal. It's like if Jim was to go out here and say, I'm going I'm to run down to Ripley. I'm going to run down to I-77. He has a destination in mind where he's going to run to. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty. So fight I, not as one that beats the air. He's not there standing there shadow boxing. He's not there just pretending to fight against an enemy that's not there. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What he is saying, I don't run as one who is jogging with no goal or destination. One place he said in Philippians, I press toward the mark. What's the mark he's pressing for? It is Christ and him crucified. That I may apprehend, I'm forgetting the things which are behind me and I'm reaching forth. He said, I'm not just out here jogging for fun. I've never run a lot because of bad knees. I wished I could, but I can't. And I envy those like Jim who can run and others. But you enjoy running. But it's, it's, it probably takes you a little while to get adrenaline going, and you have to keep pushing through it. You have to get mortified. The flesh flets it. Uh, it's like Sarah said, you don't have to run today. You don't have to run today. And she said, no, I'm going to run. When there's a reason you have why you run. And this is Paul said, I'm not just running to be running. I know what the goal is. The goal is Christ. He said, when he's getting ready to die, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I've done that. He mortified the body. And here he says it here. And I'm not just shadow boxing. The one we're fighting is real. He's not pretend. This is not just some play thing or not some make-believe. That old man is real. He's real. He said, I don't box as a man who shadow boxes, who has no opponent, but only strikes out at the air. You know who your real enemy is? It's not the world. It's not the flesh. Or the, I mean, it's not the world or the devil. It's your flesh. And you know what? When you come in here, you bring him with you. I feel so ashamed. Sometimes we try to somebody's reading or somebody's trying to sing and my mind wanders somewhere else. I'm just trying to be honest. I'm not trying to be pious. I'm just telling you the truth. Why is that? Why is that? He don't want to worship God. He wants to hinder any way he can. And you have to. Don't just say, well, I'm just passive about it. Say, no, I'm not listening to that. not listening to that he's saying we must discipline our flesh our minds and our body and bring them in subjection to the spirit of christ 
He said, we subdued the flesh with its desires and infirmities, lest while preaching to others I should fail the test and prove to be a reprobate. He says, I bring my body under subjection, lest when I preach to others, I preach to them the gospel. But he's saying, but did I believe the gospel? I don't want to be wind up one day and say, I was a castaway and never was even a believer. I'll give you some scriptures. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Doesn't the scripture say make your calling in election sure? Doesn't it say that? Here he says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Can any of us be deceived? Well, sure we can. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Am I believing God? Or do I just believe about God? I'm not trying to disturb you if you don't need to be disturbed, but I think... I don't want, I want to find, if I'm not real, I want it to find out now before it's too late. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Now that's pretty harsh language, but he's, and he's not speaking to the worldlings, he's speaking to believers. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity ever thought to the obedience of Christ. Bringing what? Every thought. Most everything begins with a thought. I thought. <laughs> I thought. We read again Romans eight thirteen. If you live after the flesh, now everyone listen to me. If we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if you through the Spirit, thank God for His Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Colossians 3, 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanliness, inordinate affections, evil conspicuousness and covetousness, which is idolatry. In Galatians 5, 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections in love. Now one more scripture, if you would, turn to Romans chapter 13. The Holy Spirit had a whole lot to say to the church of Rome, didn't he? Present your body a living sacrifice with more than conquerors. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Even that old man serves God's purpose. 
If God had wanted to, when he saved you and regenerated you, he could have totally eradicated that old nature, but he didn't. And that old man serves the new man. This is my opinion, and everybody has theirs, about when Paul prayed that God would remove his thorn in the flesh. To me, I think the thorn in the flesh, I know it says it was a messenger of Satan. I think the, the thorn in the flesh was the flesh. He said, my grace is sufficient. By the time you think you're, uh, you're pretty special, <laughs> you'll see he's still there. He is, he's ugly. He's vile. He's wicked. He's selfish. He cannot do one good thing or have one good thought. He's always plotting to destroy you. In Romans 13, verse 11, and that, knowing the time. You say, what time is it? It's about 18 after 12. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Now, let me stop right there. Danny loves this illustration of the Shulamite in, in Song of Solomon, chapter 5. She's laid down. This is a picture of the bride of Christ. She's got comfortable in her bed. And there's a knock on the door. And she knows who it is. He didn't speak, but she knows it's her beloved knocking at the door. It's Christ at the door. Do you think she gets up? Mm -mm. She won't even get up and go to the door. But here's grace. He will not leave her in that condition. He knows how to make you willing in the day of his power. He reached his hand of grace through and touched the bowels of her heart. And she gets up out of the bed. She's going to go to the door now, and she thinks he's there. And you think about this. When she opens the door, he's gone. Her heart sinks. And she goes out into the street. She's awake now. She's out of her bed now. She's concerned about one thing, and that's finding him. She had to mortify the flesh when she didn't. Well, I've done washed my feet. You know, I've done got comfortable here in, the, here in the bed. I won't get up. When he motivated her, she goes out into the streets. She said, you've seen, if you've seen my beloved, you know what? It was high time for her to get up. He knocked at the door. You know what? We expect him to be there. We take him for granted. And you go to the door. Can you imagine how her heart sank? Where's he at? How could I have been so foolish? How can I just lay there? And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Why is it high time to awake out of sleep? We're talking about a spiritual awake. You know, when you go to sleep, when you get comfortable physically. I guess the older it is, the, the worse it is for me. If I, get, if I get still and try to read, my head's doing this. or I'm, I, Sometimes I just have to go lay down and take a 30-minute nap. But I get comfortable. And before I know it, I'm asleep. That's the way we are spiritually. But how did it? Paul, how did I go to sleep? 
And I was asleep for 30 minutes, and what did I miss? I hadn't planned on doing that. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armors of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Make no provisions for the flesh. <laughs> We're going to cut off the supply line. What's them provisions for? Them provisions is for the flesh. He said, make, have no, make, no, make no provisions. That means there's effort put into it. I hope that's a help. I hope it's not just been a bunch of scattered thoughts. I hope by God's grace, God would teach us how to mortify these bodies. Because I believe every child of God wants to serve him. Every child of God, we will be like that woman. If he knocks on the door and he moves our heart, if he, if he, if he draws us, we'll run after him. We won't just sit and say, well, he'll, he'll come by tomorrow. Ask blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting there by the wayside. And he hears that Christ is coming in. He knows he may never come another day. He said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You need to be quiet. You need to, that's the old man. You need to be quiet. You're making too much noise. He said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped in his tracks. And the Lord said, bring him to me. But what if he hadn't cried? Pass me not, O gentle, gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And do not leave me to my